You're listening to SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP, presented by SuperOps.ai, where we ask experts, analysts, and business owners what MSPs need to do now to recession proof their MSP and keep their foot on the growth pedal. Hi there, welcome to this special edition of SuperPod Recession Proof Your MSP. I'm Radhika Nair, and I'm SuperOps.ai's in house storyteller. And I'm very thrilled to introduce you to our next guest. Um, Dave Patel is a special friend of SuperOps, and uh, I'm really glad that he's here. He is the Chief Innovation Officer of Medicus IT, which is a healthcare-focused managed service provider. He's also the co-founder and CTO of BuildRight, uh, which I'm hoping I'm getting this right, that has revolutionized revenue cycle management for healthcare providers. Dave sold his MSP to Medicus IT in 2019. And since then, he has uh, been on the board of Medicus IT and he also evaluates um, other MSPs that Medicus IT is uh, looking to acquire. And I believe he's been part of numerous acquisition processes. And uh, that's a topic that he's going to talk to us about because he has a very uh, you know interesting um, perspective because he's sold his um, MSP and he has also been part of numerous acquisitions. So it will be great to have his perspective here. Thank you, Dave, for being part of this. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Radhika, for giving me this opportunity to be part of the SuperPods and um, really very happy to share my journey and what I've learned and how I can, you know, make an impact to the MSP community. So the, the whole purpose of me being part of this conversation is to provide clarity to our MSP community to, you know, really get more value out of their business and get more focused on what they should be doing day to day. Great, great. And I'm, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation because this is something that I have wanted to ask you all of these questions. So I'm really glad we are getting an opportunity to do that right now. So I first wanted to understand, uh, you know, and this is something that we have discussed in brief before, you know, we've seen the M&A activity in the MSP space increase in the last few years, especially since the pandemic. It's always been there um, previously, but in the past couple of years, we've seen that activity go up significantly. So I wanted to get a sense of that from you, a perspective from you about why that has happened. What's What are the reasons for this rise in M&A activity? Well, um, I think it's simple. There's economy of scale. Uh, all, most of the M&A activities happened to either is a talent acquisition or customer acquisition. Uh, you know, that's traditional brick and mortar. What you see in the industry now is there's a lot of uh, PE money, private equity and uh, capital investment money, uh, very interested in investing into recurring service model uh you know our you know mrr is kind of the name of the game um so a lot of investment going into that space um because the money borrowing cost is cheaper um you know an msp purely is on the recurring model platform uh which increases uh the probability of acquiring them so it's essentially very attractive for pe back company or large msps to become even larger uh, and therefore, more activities in that space. Right. Um, like you said, PE activity is one of the driving forces. I also wanted to understand, um, now that there is talk of recession, do you think this trend of M&A acquisitions will continue this year too? Is this something that you foresee? 
Well, uh, given the, the scenario and the, the current uh, direction or tra trajectory of the economy, I would say that the MA activity is not going to get hotter. I don't think it's going to get super cold, but it's going to go towards getting warmer. Um, you know, there is cost of borrowing is very high. Uh, and, you know, every, all the investment that a private equity company does is purely with understanding the multiples or evaluation, you know, what the bottom line profitability for that investment. If the cost of borrowing goes high, that means they're, they will not be paying the multiples that they're used to in the past uh, to acquire an organization. So that, you know, they're, <clears throat> so if an MSP is interested to sell their business, you know, and are interested to, you know, receive an X amount, let's say $10 million, $10 million uh, in, in, as their, you know, acquisition price uh, because of all these, uh, changes in the interest rate and you know all that you know the offers they might receive it would be counter to an eight or nine million so you know uh because you know it's not as attractive to hire or acquire companies that are you know at this time um i've also seen um you know companies that are very mature and uh have very high uh you know profitability uh, the platform acquisition called the A lab, A grade MSP uh, companies, mm. they are still as attractive as you can think of. The companies that require a lot of work after acquisitions, they're they're becoming less and less attractive, uh, and therefore uh, that you know warming to cooling down effects is going to be more predominantly in that space. Got it. And I also wanted to understand, um, you know, there is also talk about valuations coming down uh, quite a bit compared to previous years. So a lot of MSPs who may be uh, in conversations with acquirers or who are considering this, do you think this is a good time to, you know, have that conversation or should they wait, you know, or, or are the valuations good enough for the A-grade companies like you mentioned, are, is this you know, is there like a tier system that the good ones are still, uh, you know, commanding the higher valuations while the not so great ones are the ones seeing, you know, lower valuations? What, what's the situation? Well, so if you are in a market or thinking about being in a market to be acquired, uh, I think you should be super intentional about knowing what market rate would you be happy to exit at? Uh, and if you have you know, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your MSPs are getting a lot of emails probably on a weekly basis from, you know, other companies, you know, uh, M&A companies, you know, looking as prospects. Um, you should purely focus on entertaining, you know, quality uh, offers. One, to understand what the trends are. Uh, two, to realize what you need to improve from your business maturity standpoint to achieve the valuation that you're looking for. So going through that process is equally important and waiting on a sideline. Um, you know, you still have, you're still in the driving seat so you could decide if you wanna pursue or accept the letter of intent or not. Um, going through that due diligence is very important, I think. Um, you know, before you were getting evaluations that were potentially higher than what you thought you would get. 
uh, right now, given the trend, you might be surprised and it might be lower than what you were expecting you would get. But that exercise of going through that process will help you understand how you can increase your evaluation as and when you're truly ready for your financial goals. Uh, Dave, I also wanted to understand, you know, people talk about valuations being a multiple of the revenue or the MRR that the MSP is making. So, uh, you know, at, at one point, people are talking about, you know, a 6x to 10x of uh, MRR, but what's what's the valuation like right now? Is that something that, you know, is it is it a standard range that we are talking about or is there a much greater variation in the range of valuation that, you know, uh, companies command? And how how do uh, I wanted to understand that as well? How do acquirers, be it PEs or be it other larger MSPs, or even if it's like a merger, how 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 is it structured? How is that valuation arrived at? That's a great question, and um, you know, there's multiple kind of variables or levers that kind of come into play. Uh, from a seller standpoint. Um, I think there's three or four levers. Uh, one is kind of how much money they want to get. Uh, and if you break that down in how much money they want to get right away versus in what that payment structure looks like in the earn out standpoint, a year one, year two, um, you know, if there is an upside to that earn out means that the business grew in size because of their business plan that was established prior to acquisition, uh, you know, what would that upside earn out will be? That's another lever. Uh, the third lever could be uh, some owners who sell their business are interested in the equity stake in the bigger company. And, you know, if they're looking for that equity stake, you know, all these factors, you know, drastically change the valuation of the business. Um, now, from a buyer's perspective, when they look at these, uh, when they, are looking at the, the, the company and try to figure out what kind of letter of intent they would put out uh, for acquiring that company. They look at the size uh, of the overall business, number of employees, how focused they are in certain verticals, uh, what their revenue mix looks like, how much is projects, how much is truly monthly recurring revenue, uh, you know, what other areas that are, you know, hardware margins, stuff like that. So they, they'd like to look at some high level numbers to really understand the maturity of the MSP practice and what is that uh, operational, uh, you know, integration cost would look like. So if I acquire an MSP that has, you know, really fragmented process around customer acquisition, customer service, um, you know, if I acquire that business, it will cost you know me a lot of time and energy to integrate and increase their maturity level, and therefore it would be costly to acquire them. Uh, versus you know MSPs that have really high level of maturity across a lot of their business uh, processes, that reduces the integration cost uh, post acquisition. And some of these things kind of define, hey, is this acquisition very strategic? Is it for a specific area? Are we acquiring for talent? Are we acquiring specific business practice uh, that they're really good at, the cloud? Um, you know, so the evaluation variables are very drastic be because of you know, the acquiry and the seller's uh, standpoint. When when an acquirer is looking at and and I'm looking at it from a perspective of say a larger MSP, 
um, what what do they look for? Like you mentioned the uh, the fact that having good processes makes a key difference, right? That's that's a very important point. So I wanted to understand what are the other uh, be it metrics or be it uh, you know things like processes, like you mentioned. What are the other things that uh, or the other points that uh, the acquirers evaluate when they are looking at uh, at at a target? Yeah, I mean, uh, truly a revenue mix where the money is coming from in which buckets. Um, you know, customer mix. You know, what type of customers? What uh, you know, you know, healthcare versus accounting, legal, etc. So, what that breakdown looks like. Okay. Uh, on top of that, you know, what does the average customer revenue look like? Um, also, you know, the spread of that revenue across customer. So, if you have say forty percent or fifty percent of revenue coming out of one customer that will be very high risk as an acquisition right. um, because if that customer were to leave, suddenly the revenue would drop drastically versus you know, your largest customer is only less than 15% of your total revenue, you know, et cetera. So there's a lot of, lot of revenue mix also coming to play uh, from customer to product and uh, overall, you know, how your business is, um, established from a risk perspective got it got it and i also want to understand you know for a from a buyer's perspective right when uh, they are in a negotiation with a potential acquirer what are the points that he or she should consider before deciding whether you know what what should be the key areas of consideration of course the what's the uh, what are they getting for the msp the big picture amount that of course makes sense but beyond that what are the other factors that they should consider uh so the question is more of what what to consider from a seller's perspective right yes yes from a seller's perspective yes yeah so if i'm a seller you know you know first you know i want to you know, I have to have a good plan of how much money that I would like to get out of this business uh, and what time frame. Um, I also want to kind of get a clarity on what happens to my team, the current pe people uh, uh, and culture that you've built, right? So once you get acquired, you want to understand, you know, how that transition happens and what happens to the team who kind of believed in you and now needs to kind of align to this new new company. Um, you know, beyond that, you probably want to also look at, you know, you know, how much revenue you want in what, what buckets like now versus spread out versus, you know, uh, equity, um, you know, and what your tax implication looks like to those, some of those, uh, some of those incomes. So, uh, but the key is, you know, when you sell a business, it, you know, you should see in clarity what happens immediately. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, say one quarter, two quarter, 30, 60, 90, or however you cut it, you have to have a good plan in your mind of how these categories of things are going to play out once you're no longer controlling the, that business, right? So what is your own intention? Like, you know, if you're an owner operator who's doing, you know, five different business functions, uh, you know, sales, marketing, accounting, you know, you could be a level three engineer and, doing all aspects of the business and suddenly when you get acquired there's going to be things that you would want to love to do but things that you will not be able to do and how you transition that so I think the clarity around 
what you want out of that transaction uh, and what you would like to keep doing if you want to be part of that organization long term. Uh, so, you know, these are kind of things that you have to have a either a back of the napkin approach and, and kind of draw it out that, hey, if this gets quiet, if this transaction happens, these are the things that I would love to have happen post that. Uh, and if you have that in your mind, then you go more prepared to the buyers and really tell them that, hey, you know, I'm interested at this price with this conditions and this time frame with, with these parameters. Um, and, you know, I'm open for conversation. So when you provide that uh, from a receiving end, from a buyer's perspective, we love that because we have so much information to be received day one. Uh, so it proves maturity, proves uh, that they're, you know, they're very intentional and they have a real plan in place. So initially when a, when a buyer puts an offer out, they're operating with very little data. Right, so they only know revenue, they know very little, and essentially the, the letter of intent is given, uh, is kind of very vague uh, in a sense. But when that letter of intent is provided to the seller, uh, the seller then looks at it and either feels happy or pissed off, but then they have to sign that to really go to the next step of, you know, really making that letter of intent into a reality. So if we have more information prior to providing the letter of intent, you know, the probability and, you know, of it becoming successful is great from both sides. So Got it. hopefully that helps you clarify that a little bit. Yes, yes. And I wanted to, you know, um, move that intentional part of it a little further. I wanted to understand that double uh, click on that. Um, you were talking about giving uh, the prospective buyer more data up front so that you know the process becomes smoother, easier. But I also wanted to you to step back a little bit and understand you know when a uh, when a an MSP is thinking of selling, right? How how do they start preparing for that? How do they start preparing for that acquisition? Say months before because this is not really an overnight process, right? Maybe the negotiation happens very quickly, but the preparatory work for that, what are the some of the key things that MSPs should start doing maybe months or even years in advance? Yeah, I think you, you brought up a very good point. Um, you know, share my journey a little bit, and then we can kind of, I'll kind of give you some context on how MSP should be looking at in uh, fact, so I wanted I was... you to, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I wanted you to uh, also, you know, talk about your exit, how you prepared for that. And I remember you mentioning how, you know, you, you wanted to do it in a very intentional manner. And I wanted you to touch upon that as well. Yes. Um, so, um, you know, I was part of HDG uh, peer group, uh, which is also now a, uh, part of uh, ConnectWise Evolve. Um, Part of that exercise I was forced uh, to to kind of create a business uh, exit plan. Like, how would business grow, and what what would happen to the business at some point after uh, the sale? So, you know, selling the business was part of the business planning. Um, you know, and you know, having that mindset allowed us to kind of write down what should be your personal. Uh, financial target, which should be your business evaluation target. Uh, and 
we were able to benchmark what our targets were in life uh, against what our business is doing today. And then we were able to kind of put together kind of a multiples, uh, you know, conservatively at five times our EBITDA to really know what our business value is today without going out to a professional company and evaluating their business value. Uh, we were able to kind of do a, have an educated guess. A lot of MSPs who have not done that, they kind of feel like a deer in a headlight when somebody reaches out to them to be, you know, and say, hey, you know, you know, are you willing to be acquired or are you ready to sell your business? And they're, they're, they're thinking like they're, they're not ready or maybe they're thinking about a very high number in their mind, but that's not very realistic. Uh, there's a lot of emotions involved because they feel that they've put in their a lot of their time uh, you know hard work uh, away from family and really invested into this business so this business is worth a lot more than actual reality so in my world uh, we were able to kind of have a business uh, evaluation target that we had in mind uh, and you know somewhere in 2016 we established uh, uh you know, a relationship with HDG. And uh, in 2017, 2017, we had a kind of a plan of what we wanted our business to grow into in terms of evaluation value. So we were like a $6 million MSP and our evaluation target was $20 million. And something that we had in mind, we knew we were not close to, you know, $20 million at that time. Um, and we had to grow our, our size of our business from a customer standpoint, from a profitability standpoint to get there. But we knew what that gap looks like. Uh, and from an MSP, uh, M&A perspective, as, as you prepare, you want to kind of clear, clarify your books and make sure you have revenue breakdown so it's clear, so you can kind of one-click review uh, when you're ready. Um, but that was kind of the initial stage well, looking at our growth percentages and what we are currently evaluated at uh, internally, we knew that it would be a 2023, 2022, 23 exit. Uh, you know, but we had a really good, a decent plan of what revenue we wanted and what time frame we wanted. And we were kind of making our business more sellable, uh, which is people, process, and technology. We're investing into more standardized approach and less owner operator, more, you know, mid-management leader operator. And that was kind of our mindset. Uh, the opportunity actually came a lot quicker than we thought. And the plans were in place. The intentionalities was, was in place. So when the, when the company approached us in 2019, uh, late 2018, early 2019, we literally have everything in our hands. Like we knew exactly what we wanted. Uh, we had all the data that we needed to provide, uh, and you know, we were able to exit sooner. So, the, the simple mantra is: if you make the plan uh, and be intentional about the plan, and essentially work the plan, in my belief, the plan will work for you. That's that's a very. I I think that's like a great statement there, right? If you work the plan, the plan will work for you. That that's that's really great, and I also wanted to understand. In hindsight, was there something you would have done differently? 
Um, actually, if I think about it, not really. No, everything that I intended to get out of uh, that M&A uh, from people, process, technology, revenue was exactly uh, what we got. And I think credit goes to, you know, you know, our initial plan and what we wanted uh, out of this, out of the transaction clearly was aligned. We were able to align kind of uh, uh, our people's future role and their development role into the new org chart, into the new acquisition company. And we were able to kind of do a lot of things in advance because we knew what their strengths and weaknesses were. So, yeah, I think it's a great point or a great question. Like, hey, can I, can I, could I have done anything different in 2018 to have a better outcome? Uh, and personally, I think it, it went perfectly. Great, great. And that really leads me to the next question. And, uh, you know, what's the biggest mistake that you have seen an MSP make, you know, the selling MSP make when they are part of the acquisition uh, process or the negotiation process? And what can they do to avoid that? Well, um, a lot of times, you know, uh, the owners are the operators of the business. And, you know, there's a lot of sweat equity uh, that the owners feel that they're worth uh, in growing the business. Mm -hmm. But in that process, they don't realize that they are the single point of failure or they're the biggest risk to their own organization. Because um, their owner operator, they have the best idea and the horizon view of, you know, sales, you know, operations, you know, procurement, support services, client escalations, they kind of get involved in everything. And that creates this high level of risk um, inherently that's kind of baked into the business because there's nobody between the number of people they have underneath and themselves. And when they get approached by a buyer, uh, they feel like their business is worth a lot more uh, because they have no real idea of risks. Um, and, you know, they're young, they're making, making a lot of progress, but they also have very little idea around multiples of what multiples and a buyer typically pays and what, what does that mean? And what are this terms of earn out looks like and all those things. So, you know, I think the MSP market's kind of learning quite rapidly because of all this influx of inquiries to acquire them, uh, but there's still a lot of room for that. Um, if I'm an MSP uh, business owner operator uh, and I have, have intentions to sell, I should focus more on how uh, I should create my business and believe in my uh, team members and kind of creating those leaders for tomorrow and relying on them and empowering them so that it turns into more of a mature business that has inherently less risk to operate. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I, you know, for me, the some of the key takeaways were that, you know, the process part of it, how, what processes have you set up and post uh, acquisition, the integration part of it, that is quite critical and a lot of sellers don't realize that. So setting up the processes, ensuring that the uh, operations are smooth and post merger or post acquisition for the buyer, it becomes a smooth process. That That is very important. 
And the other point that you really made about being intentional in the way you are approaching the entire uh, process of having your company acquired, that's that's uh, really important. So as the owner, you should be uh, able to step away from the business so that the acquirer is not going to be worried about what will happen to the company if you're not there anymore. I think that's that's a very important part, being, um, you know, not just uh, not being the sole um, you know, the sole fulcrum of the business. That's something that's uh, key. I think those are really important points that you made there, Dave. Thank you so much for joining. No, and, uh, you know, I want to thank Radhika, you and Super Ops for giving me the opportunity to kind of be part of this Super Pod series. Great. Thank you.